Our Old Testament reading for this morning comes to us from the book of Isaiah in the 43rd chapter, the opening 12 verses. Uh, I invite you to listen for word from the Lord as it is there written. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt for your ransom, Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Since you were precious in my sight, You have been honored, and I have loved you. Therefore, I will give men for you and people for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not keep them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory. I have formed him. Yes, I have made him. Bring out the blind people who have eyes and the deaf who have ears. Let all the nations be gathered together and let the people be assembled. Who among them can declare this and show us former things? Let them bring out their witnesses that they may be justified. Or let them hear and say, It is true. You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared And saved, I have proclaimed, and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. This morning's New Testament reading comes to us from 1 John. The opening chapter and the opening seven verses therein. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. We declare to you what was from the beginning. What we have heard. What we have seen with our eyes. What we have looked at and touched with our hands. Concerning the word of life. This life was revealed and we have seen it. And testify to it and declare to you the eternal life. That was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard. So that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father 
and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. We declare, we say, we proclaim, we testify over and over at the opening of the first pastoral letter from John, these verbs resound. We have witnessed this wonderful, amazing, awesome thing. And we must make it known. As I wrote in my weekly email message to the congregation a few days ago, when the sun set on that first Easter evening, I can imagine that the bewildered disciples who had begun to experience the reality of the risen Christ might well have been asking themselves, the question, what next? And so we, who are now basking in the fading afterglow of Easter 2021, we, we too might be thinking the same thing to ourselves. In my email, I summarized what I hope might be the beginnings of a faithful response. And... It is one informed in large measure by the example of our ancestors in the faith. Those who were among the first to experience and begin to process this, this impossible truth. This unbelievable thing which had been so very real, which is here so wonderfully described from the very outset in this first epistle of John. So miraculous was the resurrection that even now, people make excuses about it. There are biblical scholars who will deny the reality of a bodily resurrection, writing it off as mass hysteria by a well-intentioned but somewhat misguided group of grieving friends and admirers. But the author of this letter is very clear. This was no delusion, but rather he is witnessing to the truth about the truth. And those who knew this they had an obligation right from the start to tell the story. The word was out, out from his imprisonment in the tomb. Now was the time to get the word out, out from its isolation among a small circle of eyewitnesses. That they did, and that we are obligated to continue doing. For silence, 
That was the goal of the Roman authorities and the Jewish religious leaders. They needed to silence this Jesus, just as they had his kinsman before him, John the Baptist. The powers and the principalities trembled at the prospect of their continued public ministry, preaching, teaching, prophesying, calling out sin and calling in sinners, showing power, even raising the dead. This had to stop, for it was a very real threat to the established order of their world. They had been speaking the words of the God of life, and that is not the mother tongue of fallen man. They were doubtless both disappointed and frightened when they realized that cutting off the head had failed to silence the tongue of this renegade sect. And in this first letter of John, the author is encouraging his readers to continue this disruptive pattern of speaking up and speaking out. He and his associates, they had heard, they had seen, they had even touched the great I am. But as he is writing this letter, it was no longer possible for anyone to do this. So before the iron got cold, John is urging his readers to keep the fire of truth burning. This is the message. Jesus was and Jesus is the light. He is the life, and in him there is nothing dark, nothing false, no half-truth, no sin, only perfection. The only begotten of the Father who came to dwell amongst and experience the creation just as we have come to experience the creation, but unlike us, he had no darkness in him. He was pure light, the loving, living word of God who showed up and stood up the powers of sin and death which had for so long reigned among and over the sons of men. The message that the author of this letter sends to his readers is no less true today than when it was first written. Jesus the Christ has not changed. He continues to be the single, solitary, and supreme, risen and reigning Savior. He alone is the door, the gate, the only way to the Father. He is love, bloodied and beaten, sacrificial and redemptive love. He is the good shepherd who continues to call and seek the wandering, the lost, and the prodigals from far, from wide. He alone is the word of life, abundant and eternal. The message that the author of this letter sends to his readers is no less needed today in a world that is saturated in all sorts of messages, yet above all, it is this one that's most urgently needed to be heard. It is therefore the one that we must most urgently speak. When I use the phrase we 
here. I mean, church, you and I. Yes, it is important that all Christian witnesses in all times and places be about this task, but it is vital that you and I hear and are reminded of the hugely important part we have to play in making this happen. As a congregation, we are indeed blessed to have begun, to have cultivated, and to continue to nurture relationships with missionaries who serve the gospel, both overseas and right here on Delmarva. But this is an adjunct to, not a substitute for, our individual responsibility as Christians for sharing the good news of the truth and the light. Later this week, I will begin participating in a, an online master class sponsored by the seminary that I graduated from many years ago now, and the course is focused on storytelling in a high-tech age. I've been looking forward to it for quite a while now because I think it's one of the most vital parts of our Christian life. It's so important to fulfilling God's design for us. We who have been so richly blessed that we might be a blessing to the rest of the world. We have a story to tell. It is the greatest story ever told to quote the very appropriately titled epic film which was, coincidentally, released the very year that I was born. Its greatness has not diminished. Even the events that it depicted back then have the same impact today as they did when the film was made and as they did when they took place 2,000 years ago. And each of us, is called and equipped to declare, say, proclaim, testify, each in a different way. And that's a wonderful and a beautiful spiritual gift from the one whose story it is we're telling. Having conversation while fishing with the grandkids or while enjoying a family favorite Dessert with your niece or nephew, well, sharing over a cup of coffee with a friend, chatting with an old acquaintance on the phone, or interacting even with a delivery driver who brings you your order. All of these are holy opportunities for us to share a bit of how our stories fit in with this great story of God. You may be a bit apprehensive, perhaps wondering, what kind of a spokesperson will people think I am? I get the fact that we're not perfect. Trust me, I get, I get the fact that we're not perfect. It's worth remembering, however, that we don't have to be perfect in order to speak of perfection. Because we're telling a story that's not about us. Just look at the scriptural witnesses that are lifted up for us as exemplars. They're pretty motley crew, not unlike us. People like tax collectors, 
such as Matthew, people like Peter, who turned out to be quite the liars. Over time, they were changed by their encounter with Jesus, as I think we all have been in many ways. And, and these folks, they went on to share just what happened and who it was that brought all this about, and so should we. It may not be easy for us to do, and I know that to be the case as well. There's nothing easier for us to talk about than us. After all, we know that subject better than any other, and there are fewer that we would rather go on about. So talking about someone else, that, that might be a little bit of work, but remember what it was like, I know you can, when you first met a special someone. Maybe it was at the soda fountain in Crisfield. Wherever it was, you thought about them all the time, and then, at every opportunity you had, you told anyone who would listen, and you still do, all about that special someone. That's precisely the sort of sense I get when I begin reading this opening to 1 John. It's a love letter. It's a love letter for the church and for the world. And for me, it begins to get us to the heart of the post-resurrection question of what next. Much of the answer seems to be along the lines of more of the same. Since the days of God's covenant with his people during the Exodus, time and again, they have been instructed and reminded Hear, O Israel. They've been issued stone tablets describing for them an obedient, grateful way of living. And it begins with recognizing God for who he is and what he's done. And now, now a new chapter in that story has been written as his self-revelation in Jesus has turned a corner and he has demonstrated his glory and power and dominion in an even more stunningly miraculous fashion. Though we were not on hand to see it all unfold, nonetheless, we have been convicted of the ultimate truth of the story and the one that's behind the story. We are convinced of the veracity of the witnesses and the Holy Spirit has equipped and empowered and entrusted us with faithfully and perpetually declaring, saying, proclaiming, and testifying with our words and our lives. The word that was in the beginning with God and was God. The light which casts out all darkness and cleanses all sin, enabling us to have fellowship with him and with one another, one people whose joy is being made complete. That, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that is indeed a story worth repeating, and for that we may truly say, thanks be to God, and amen.